So from the age of 11, when you started this, to the age of 15, four years, if my small math brain serves me well, you were able to influence the White House to extend one of the greatest honors that any American can have by getting our friend, Woody Williams, laying in state. What's next? How, what else can you do? You've done that in four years in your life. From Carry the Load, these are lessons from the front. Stories of service and sacrifice from our military, veterans, first responders, and their families. When Rabel McNutt was seven years old, she attended the funeral of her godfather, Walter Ehlers, a Medal of Honor recipient from World War II. Over the next four years, Rabel realized just how significant her godfather's medal was to our nation. Over that same period, she began to observe and recognize the ceremonial differences between our nation's protectors and dignitaries. As a result, at 11 years old, she set out to close that gap. At just 14 years of age, Rabel's efforts ensured that Woody Williams, the last living Medal of Honor recipient from World War II, was given the nation's highest memorial honor in a final nod to the greatest generation. Rabel's story is the perfect example of our Carry the Flag program. Make sure your kids are watching this one because she's a fantastic example of the fact that you don't have to wear a uniform to serve. Check out carrytheflag.org for more details about how to get involved. And please remember to like, share, review, and subscribe so that these stories and the journeys of our protectors will be heard. I'm your host, Todd Boating, and I welcome you to my conversation with Rabel McNutt an accomplished young lady who is still not even old enough to drive. How old were you when you started this? I started my nonprofit in fourth grade. So I was, what is that, four years ago? So that's 11. I was 11 years old. So you were 11 years old. When, when did you first get the idea? When I was like seven, going to my godfather's funeral. You were seven years old when you first got this idea. I mean, it wasn't put in action, but it's something that just came back years later. Be like, actually, that was that was a good idea. Like, wh what did I just say then? Okay, so so your your kind of your first memory of it, your first recollection was you were seven years old. The nonprofit then then your your godfather passed away. Your godfather being uh, Ehlers who was, I want you to tell me about your godfather, because I think this is extremely significant. Actually, you know what? I'm going to back up another step. I want, to, I want to make sure everybody understands. You were seven when you first thought about this. You were 11 when you started the, the, the nonprofit. And then how old are you now? I'm 15. You're 15. So from the age of 11 when you started this to the age of 15, four years, if my small math brain serves me well, you were able to influence the White House to extend one of the greatest honors that any American can have by getting our friend, Woody Williams, laying in state, actually laying in honor. We kind of talked about that earlier. What's next? How, what else can you do? You've done that in four years in your life. I mean, it was a group effort. It was a family endeavor to begin with. And I mean... Next, we're trying to see if we can do 
a final um, state funeral laying in honor for each of the Medal of Honor holders um, for each of the wars, the final Medal of Honor holders. So for Korea, then hopefully Vietnam and on from there. You remember your godfather pretty well? I have a couple memories of him. Okay, but you've studied him. Mm-hmm. And you understand how heroic the actions of your godfather were. Yes. And so you're witnessing the funeral and you start piecing things together as a young child. What's going through your mind about your godfather, though? What, did, did you feel like there was an injustice that more attention should have been paid to him? Is that, Was that part of the, the, the motivation for this? I mean, as a seven-year-old going to this funeral, it was more of, wow, this is actually a big deal. Like, it's something that I've heard before and I've been taught, but it's not something that I personally, like, had a connection to or felt like I had a connection to. So it was really cool to see that all play out. And I guess it was just that one little seed that planted that started this whole thing where I started getting more passionate about it. And the more I learned, the more people I met along the way and those amazing stories I started to hear, that's what brought it all together. So I love the way you said that, by the way. You planted a little seed at seven years old, and then by the time you were 11, that had really blossomed into something special for you, something very meaningful. Do you, do you remember any of the, the things that happened from the time you were seven to the time you were 11 that, that just said, I've got to do this. We've got to get this done. Was there anything in particular? I mean, I think whenever we started putting this in motion, it was never in my wildest dreams something that would actually go through and get this all done. I mean, it was just something little that started in Dallas. We went to Love Field to a veterans event there. We started collecting signatures. We went in a parade, but then it started getting bigger outside of Dallas, outside of Texas. We started getting more state chairmen in each 50 states, and that's when it started becoming a whole nation effort where everyone was involved and everyone really pushed to make this happen. I'm curious, though, what do your friends say about this? Do they have any idea what you've done? Because you, you're very humble. I can see that. You're quick to give other people credit. But do any of your friends have any idea how significant this is? I mean, I'm not actually sure because my, well, one, ever since I've got into Hockaday, I've started to do things with them. Mm-hmm. I hope to start like a veterans club next year, sort of getting like the word out and maybe drawing recognition to veterans who are at Hockaday, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So from that, I think some people have gotten more interested, sort of understood what I'm doing. It was really um, this one post that Hockaday did where I was on it and everyone saw it and they were like, wait, what did you do, Ravel? Like, wait, that's actually really cool. I didn't know you did that. So it was sort of exciting just to see like how other people could become excited about the same things that I were passionate about. So let's let's talk about that a little bit. You and I, although we didn't, we weren't introduced. We were both at Woody Williams ceremony up in Washington D.C. And I am I'm curious to hear about your experience, especially when you see Kyle Carpenter standing up at the World War II memorial talking about Woody Williams. What 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 was going through your mind? As you're looking at this saying, okay, or did you realize that you had a lot of responsibility for even that aspect of it? 
Well, to start, it was crazy that, I mean, the youngest Medal of Honor holder living today, the, well, obviously the youngest Medal of Honor holder was um, getting to say this about the oldest Medal of Honor holder from World War II and that he mentioned my name because I was like, I didn't know he was going to mention my name in that. I was like, oh, okay. Like, wow, I got to stand up and all these people clap for me. It's like, wait, okay, what's going on here? It was cool. And I got to lay the wreath. Um, when I was watching this whole thing, Prasita was like, wait, is this actually happening? Because there were so many things that went through to make this day possible. So many people tried so hard and gave all their effort to make this happen. And it was something that finally came through and it pieced together and I could see everyone's enjoyment happening while this was going on. I was like, okay, well, I mean, look at everyone happy doing this. This is something that I'm really glad that came happening. That probably felt pretty good. It did. It was, I mean, in the moment I was like, wait, what's going on? And then afterwards it's more like it sunk in. I was like, okay, we actually got this done. That's that's really nice. That's really sweet to hear. Yeah, the, it it was it was an incredibly beautiful ceremony. It was it was patriotic. It was um it was refreshing, you know, for which you know that that may not mean the same to you at your age as it as it does to some of us who are a little older, but it was refreshing to see so many people come together. And I will tell you, obviously I didn't know you at that time. But it was refreshing to see and listen to the impact that someone of your age was able to have on so many other people. And that's where, you know, I, I know you uh, I know you've been told this before, but you should feel very proud of yourself for that, because that that was I mean, that's what we always try to get people to understand, Rabel. You don't have to serve in uniform to serve this country. And it's, it's not everybody's cut out for serving in uniform. Not everyone wants to, not everyone should, but you figured out a way to do it at 11 years old. It's just, I mean, honestly, I'm just, to this day, I'm still very impressed by it as many times as I've said that. (laughs) Thank you. Tell me about, through what you've studied, um, your godfather, Medal of Honor recipient, Woody Williams became a friend, Medal of Honor recipient. Kyle Carpenter mentions you at Woody's service, Medal of Honor recipient. What does that medal mean to you now? Something that multiple Medal of Honor recipients have said to me and continue to say is they don't wear it from themselves. They wear it for the people who didn't make it home, for the ones whose memories don't stay alive today, and it's for them who they wear it for. They aren't doing it for themselves. They didn't decide to go into battle and do this heroic thing. It just happened, and it was in the moment, and they will always remember it and remember the memories of those who didn't make it home. Yeah, that's special. That's really special. So going back to as you started this, was there a time where you said, I don't think we're going to be able to get this done? Were you ever concerned about that, or or were you just— was that the, the, the value of being young and saying, well, I don't know any different. Of course we're going to get it done. I think it was right when Mr. Williams died where everyone was in a hustle trying to see, I mean, can we get this done? Is this even going to be a thing? That's when a little doubt came in. It's like, okay, we, only, we don't have that much time. 
he's passed. I mean, it's now or never. What is your favorite memory of, of Woody Williams? Because you met him more than once. Certainly talked to him, I know. <laughs> yes. I mean, over the years, we had some things that we did together. And it was honestly just the stories and the just casual conversations that I have with him that stuck the most. Because, I mean, I don't think I would ever meet such an amazing man than him before. And, I mean, it's just crazy to hear, like, all these things that you would read about that people would tell you stories of. But it's coming from the first person, like, who actually did these things. And that, I mean, that was just, nothing can beat that. (laughs) You know what I remember that he told me? There were two things. So I got to interview him on his front porch uh, in West Virginia. Right, right near where he, you know, grew up. And it was, it was one of the great memories I'll ever have. But I remember him telling me he never saw a dollar bill until he was 16 years old. And his mother made all of their clothes. So, you know, they used to have these feed sacks, you know, that they would feed the animals with. And those, once they were finished, you know, feeding the animals with that, they were converted into their clothes. And I thought, wow, that, that, you know, just that's a different part of society than, you know, than we live in now. But the one thing I always remember about him is we went to breakfast um, that morning and he did not finish his breakfast and it was, it was French toast and there was only about, you know, a half a piece left and he boxed it up and took it home. Wow. Now, why is that significant? Because we don't think like that anymore. And we talked about that, how we're a throwaway society now. So just as you were very influenced by this man and sitting there and getting history, so was I. And, and just, just, again, I'm sitting here with someone who, had, who put him in a position where he was laying in the rotunda. That's pretty cool. Can you hear that enough? <laughs> Good old Woody. So I, I didn't get to follow up earlier with another question, and that was, you had a moment of doubt about whether or not you're going to be able to pull this off. But then I want you to tell me how it felt when you got the word, it's going to happen. In that one week, we crammed so much trying to get all this done. I was like, oh, my God, this happened. Like, okay. So then I was like, okay, what's next? Like, I know there has to be more things that we need to do. We need to go to D.C. We need to meet all the board members, making sure they're all there, everyone's invited, all these different things to make that one day a very significant and important day. So what does that mean then now? I mean, are you, are you planning the next one already? Is it, do you have any kind of, of idea if, um, if you're going to, if this is all going to have the same support or are we going to have to do all this again? I know it's certainly a work in process. Some of we're needing to get some new state chairman because some people have more of a will if they have someone or they know someone to get this done. But you you started the ball rolling here. And some people, have you ever heard the term butterfly effect? So, I mean, that's that's what we're talking about here, you know, and, and it's um, you're going to be impacting a lot of people unknowingly. And that's kind of a neat, kind of a neat feeling. So my, my question to you, almost like a, a, a fatherly challenge, if you will, 
how do we get other people in your generation to come alongside of you so that you're not having to do this yourself? Because you can't do it yourself forever. You got to have champions. Yes. When this whole thing first started, in my mind, what I thought about it was, okay, we learn this in school. My friends learn it in school. Well, we learn it to take a test. We memorize dates to take a test. We don't understand the significance of it. I mean, some people today still don't understand the significance of standing up, putting your hand over your heart and saying the Pledge of Allegiance in the morning. And it's that what sort of got my mind rolling around this. And hopefully um, just by I spread the word against my friends. Like I know in fourth grade, the first thing I did is I went around to all my fourth grade classrooms and collected signatures. That way it was more of a community effort. So everyone felt involved. Everyone could get into it. It's just things, small things where you make it relatable to people so they can understand it, I guess, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. (laughs) And you are wise beyond your years, young lady. You really, truly are. So, yeah, and, and, and I think you're, you're, you're spot on with a couple of things you said. It's, it's, it is way more than, than just remembering it for a test. That's, that's why, that's why I've, I've always been a fan of history because it, it really does give us context to how we're here today, which is important. So when you're, when you're talking to your friends about this, are you trying to, to pull them in and say, hey, why don't you come help me do this? Or have any of them said, hey, what can I do to help? I don't think many people truly understand what I have been doing. And the few that have understood, like I know when I when this first all came down a week before the funeral, I was in Florida actually with a friend. So she got to experience me having like online interviews, talking to a bunch of people And she was like, wait, how long has this been going on? Because it's something that not a lot of people will come and ask if they hear about it, things like that. So it's just little things that people have said to me over the years. I'd be like, yes. And, you know, if you ever want to help out, there's so many ways you can help out. And hopefully I get this veterans, um, veterans group together for my school where we can include more people. So more kids my age understand the significance and the impact of what so many people have sacrificed for. Well, I can walk to your school from where I live. <laughs> so if you need help, you let me know. I've got a couple guys in the neighborhood. We'll show up. We'll help you. Thank you. So this may be kind of a hard question to answer, but I'm going to, I'm going to ask it anyway. How, how, Given given everything you've been exposed to, okay, most most kids your age, to include, you know, I've got a daughter who's a year younger than you and one that's three ahead of you, they're not thinking about the things that you're thinking about. Um, now, that doesn't mean that you don't still enjoy your, you know, your, you know, your teenage time, but how has this shaped your thinking about things that you see like you know, on Instagram and the Kardashians and all those things that, that as we get older, they really don't mean anything. How has that shaped your thinking now? For school, one thing that every school pushes is community service. And for a lot of people, that's something that's like, 
oh, I just have to get this over with. I need so many hours and I'll be good. But now that I have this experience, it's more like, okay, I have so many hours I need to get done. How many hours do I want to get done? How many hours is it possible to get done? But using my time wisely, what things do I need to bring attention to? What things do other people need to be drawn to? And it's just being able to pick out and differentiate true causes from those who just time that you just need to spend to get it over with, if that makes sense. <laughs> it does. And, and honestly, I hadn't really thought about this until right now. But you think of the term influencer. And there are all these influencers out there in society, right? Influencers, and I'm putting this in air quotes. The influence that you've had at your age versus the influence that other kids have at their age, I know a lot of people that'll put their wind behind your sails for that because that is the right influence to have. And I, again, I just want to commend you. I'm probably gushing over you too much, but I just... I just think it's, it's really special what you've done. So last couple of questions. Um, there's probably somebody out there who you don't even know yet, who is either listening to this or they've followed you on, um, on any social media platform. And they've got a cause that they want to put their energy behind, but they're scared. They're hesitant. They're just not sure. They don't have the confidence yet to do it. What do you say to that person? Everyone has ideas every day, but it's putting them in motion that allows other people to experience or want to help with what you have. So if you have an idea, you have to push it out. You have to get support because there's going to be a lot of people around you who are influential and who are really passionate about your idea. And those are the people who will really help you make leaps and bounds on whatever you're trying to get done. So if I heard that correctly, it's take a leap of faith because you're not going to be by yourself. Is that a fair way to say it? Yes. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, here's my last question. As you know, Carry the Load is about making sure that we Remember those people who never got to take off the uniform or those people who uh, we just need to keep their memory alive because of the, the commitment and the sacrifice they made. So my question is, who are you carrying? I am carrying my godfather, Ehlers. I am carrying Mr. Williams. I'm carrying everyone who doesn't have memories, who's people are still here. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> Everyone who's maybe been forgotten. Everyone whose family, who they never came back to their family, who fought, who sacrificed for our country. And it's not just having them remembered by their family, by their friends, by their peers. It's having them remembered by their country because it's their country who they sacrificed for and they fought for. And it's some billions of people that they didn't know, but they still went out and they did their service for. Fantastic. Rabel, 
on behalf of so many people. Thank you for what you've done. You've made an impact. And a lot of people, it takes a long time for them to get to say that. You can say it pretty quickly. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. If this resonated with you in the least, please subscribe and like, and please, please, please share it with at least one person. These are the stories that make us uniquely American. These are the stories that preserve the integrity of our nation.